Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Fran Patterson, and I serve as a Stephen Minister leader in our congregation. Christ is risen. Let us rejoice and be glad. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Grant unto us the fullness of your promises. Where we have been weak, grant us your strength. Where we have been confused, grant us your guidance. Where we have been distraught, grant us your comfort. Where we have been dead, grant us life. Apart from you, O Lord, we are nothing, and in you we can do all things. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
please stand for call to worship. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Come, let us worship God. Remembering the peace and mercy God gives us in Jesus Christ, let us confess our sin together. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of the world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay, lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us heal and forgive us, set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. God has shown us his love for us in sending Jesus Christ to us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel.
now as forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms here in the sanctuary and on the television. And we, oh, I would like for you to uh, consider filling in those friendship folders at the ends of the pews so you can greet one another by name after church. We have many good announcements. The first one is an invitation. Today is a student sponsorship bookmark Sunday. So please go to the tree and get your bookmark. And also we are invited to continue our sponsorship to the students. They need only $2,900 more in order to do all the youth ministries throughout the summer. Through this sponsorship, our young people get to learn about God and experiencing God one-to-one -one and also together in conferences and mission trips. And we have um, Time Management Leadership Forum, which was scheduled on May 21st, which is postponed for the time being for the fall. If you have any question, please uh, call Carolyn Wilson over there anytime during the week. In your bulletin, there is, this is one of my favorite things, there is a nomination um, sheet. And this is for you, again, you are invited to fill out the people after considering and praying to see if you know anybody who might serve the church as an elder or deacon or shepherding deacon. Today is a special day for Clint Terry. Yesterday he turned 110. No, I'm sorry, 101. <laughs> I know Clint is watching on TV. So usually, usually he would be sitting here uh, worshiping, but he's a little bit under the weather. His excuse is he's being 101. So let us wave and wave happy birthday to Clint. That is a wonderful news. And also today we have a very special treat, along with many volunteers, Sarah, and Steve Sobolaski have led us a whole full year in a new ministry called Family Promise. And this is our second year and they're still leading us in that ministry. 
and very, the church is very grateful to have Sarah and Steve here leading this uh, ministry. And Sarah will talk to us after a brief uh, video presentation. Good morning. I'm Sarah. We are so grateful to the many people who have volunteered for Family Promise in its first year. I'd like to ask anyone who has prayed for us or for our family guests, uh, who has made a meal, donated a gift certificate, brought food, slept here, or served food to these families, if you would stand to be recognized, we'd like an opportunity um, to recognize all of the people who have supported family with our um, deep thanks and, and applause. Big show up in the balcony, so. <laughs> This program takes a lot of volunteers to run successfully, um, and there are ways you can serve that take uh, 10 minutes, that take an hour a year, or take eight hours four times a year when we, we welcome guests uh, into our church and treat them like family, I hope. Um, and Steve, my husband, uh, will be under the tree along with Charlie and Marie, who are members of the leadership team, and we're ever so grateful for them to uh, answer questions about Family Promise and perhaps to take your name and email and phone number so we could reach out to you and have a conversation about this very special ministry and, and why it works and, and why we really hope to build a volunteer base that makes it sustainable for many years to come. So thank you all. Thank you to our volunteers.
Let us pray. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. We lift our hearts in praise and adoration, in reverence and love to you. We thank you for the innumerable blessings we have received from you, for the privilege of worship, song, and prayer. We are grateful for our salvation in your Son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, for the hope of the gospel. We give you thanks for how you are working in us and through us in the many ministries and missions of this church, and for the exciting promise of our Open Palms campaign and the new ministries to come. Today, we especially remember and give you thanks for our mothers and for those who have been mother figures in our lives. We are cognizant, O oh God, of the joy, the challenges, the complexities in our relationships with our mothers and in the grief and disappointments in those relationships too. We ask your blessing on all mothers today, including stepmothers, single mothers, adoptive and foster mothers, and those who wish to be mothers. Bless them, everyone, with your amazing love, with your peace that passes understanding, your joy unspeakable, and your protection and guidance. Father, we also lift up before you our petitions and intercessions. We pray for our community, our nation, and the world. We pray for your church across the street and across the globe. We pray for peace and ask that you help us to be peacemakers in all our relationships. We lift up the needs of our own congregation and ask that you give the help that is needed to each one of us. You know us intimately. You know each burden and each care, and you care enough to store all our tears in a bottle, to hold each one close to your heart that calls on you, and to provide exactly what each one needs. Lord, we thank you again for the privilege of worship, and we surrender our hearts to you anew. Please make us conscious of your presence as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us continue our worship with the presentation of our tithes and offerings. Peace will fall as snow. Quiet. 
Let us pray. Dearest Lord, may these, our tithes and offerings, serve as symbols of our deep desire for your love to transform our time, our effort, and our substance into works of creative compassion for each other, for our community, and for the world beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Lori. Thanks, Carolyn. This is such a great day to be here on Mother's Day because we all get to be mothers and fathers of all of these people who are coming up here for the children's moment. It's part of what we promise in their baptism, isn't it? So what a really great day for all of us to be celebrating. Hi, Owen, how are you? So I have two things to show you today. The first is my friend, the little worm who's kind of like a caterpillar, you wanna touch him? Yeah. yeah, he's cool, isn't he? See, not bad. So he's kind of cool, like he climbs around in the grass and through the leaves. See him? Sometimes he gets up on branches. Are you afraid? Don't be afraid, he's just rubber. Yeah. Sorry, okay. <laughs> See him, Maddie? Kind of cool, don't let your horse, your unicorn eat him. So, he's got a pretty good life. You know, it's like, Life is good, things are happening for the guy until one day he gets really super sleepy. He's so tired, he can't even take another step and he just curls himself up in a little ball and he tucks his head under the covers, pulls him up tight and he goes, that's it, I'm done. Well, is he done? For all of his little caterpillar friends, he's dead. He will never wake up again and be a caterpillar. But you know what happens? God does this miracle, and God takes, I don't know, seven or 10 days, and he looks inside here. Are you ready? And he turns him into a beautiful butterfly, all full of sparkles, <laughs> who can just fly through the sky it's like the coolest thing ever. You know what it's like? It's like resurrection. Now, we don't know exactly how God does resurrection, but we use things like caterpillars and butterflies to help us to understand. We know that Jesus died on the cross and that three days later, God raised him up into new life, into a real, live person again. And that's what he promises to do for every one of us. And guess what? Here's the best part. We don't have to do anything to earn that. All we have to do is believe. We just have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and we are promised 
new life. Now, death can be sad if we've had someone that we've loved who has died. It can be really sad for us, but it's not the end of the story. The end of the story is new life because God takes what is dead and he makes it alive again. The one verse that I think that we should all try to memorize is John 3.16. And I have these great gummy worms for you when you memorize it. Come tell me or Miss Carol, right? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that we should not die, but that we would live forever if only we believe. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for loving us so much, so much that you would send your son so that we could live forever. Lord, we ask that you help us to show that love so that we could point others to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. may be seated. I'm back for those of you in TV land. 
And uh, I did not sleep in, that's why I was, that's not why I was late. Um, <clears throat> I was over in the garden and giving them an, a very, very good news update in terms of our church and our life together. Many of you are aware that we've been uh, in the season of open palms and been wondering together about the future of our church and how we might expand our campus. It was several weeks ago that we gave you an update uh, for that campaign where we had received in commitments a uh, combination of our congregation and the foundation of uh, nearly $3.9 million. And we are delighted to be able to tell you that since then we've received an additional uh, $600,000, over $600,000 uh, for that campaign, which has brought us now to a total of $4,550,000 in, um, in our Open Palms effort. And that's great news because as we have gone back and revised our uh, building, our new Palm Center, uh, we have been able to uh, come up with a design as well as other components of the campaign to total $4,550,000, and which means that we are able to move forward, which is wonderful news, and we're very, very grateful for those of you who have made commitments to our campaign and to our foundation that has offered a capstone to the campaign. We are thankful. Many of you received this update in the mail. If you haven't gotten it, you will get it in the next day or so. And we want to, yeah, let's give a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, after the service, we invite you to come and take a look at the uh, drawings of this new facility and, uh, and to ask any questions you might have with those uh, representatives of the building committee that will be there uh, underneath the tree. Uh, this coming Tuesday at 10 o'clock, I will be available in the Campus Center for anyone who wants to come by and take a look again uh, and to, uh, answer, to ask any questions you might have. I'll be back again in the Campus Center on May the 16th at 6 p.m. and then this will all culminate on Sunday, May the 22nd, where we'll have a congregational meeting at 10 o'clock just after the 9 o'clock service here in the sanctuary where we'll get a chance to uh, with great affirmation, uh, make a vote to move forward with this, uh, with this new chapter of our church's life. So again, we are so grateful and thankful for the good work of our good Lord and for the commitment on your, all of your part. And we're thankful that we can uh, be at this stage in our church's life. So let us now turn to the reading of scripture and it comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Paul writes and says, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which you also stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance that I in turn have received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your amazing grace, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh and the one we know is Jesus Christ, our Savior and your Son. For we pray this in his name, amen. 
Do you take a good picture? It is, I propose, a very important question these days. Do you take a good picture? It's an important question because chances, are, chances of you taking a picture are dramatically greater these days than they were a decade or so ago. These days, just about everybody has a camera, at least inside their phone. And these days, just about everybody has turned into a photographer. If you have a cell phone, you are a photographer. Walk through a public place, or more so a tourist place, and you will inevitably see someone taking a picture of someone, and inevitably you will be asked if you could, could you take our picture? And the phone is put into your hands, and so the question is, do you take a good picture? Do you know what you're doing when asked to capture the moment? That's one way of thinking about that question. A more specific way of thinking about it is, do you take a good selfie? A selfie, as most of you know, is a picture you take of yourself. Taking a good selfie takes a lot of practice, and I'm embarrassed to say that I'm not very good at taking a selfie, especially if I'm trying to take a selfie with somebody else in the picture. Invariably, I cut off half that person's face or get too close or get too far. But do you take a good selfie? Another way of asking that question is, do you like what you see when the picture is of you? Do you like what you see when the picture is of you? What happens when you look into the reflective screen of digital photography? What do you see when the picture is of you? Do you take a good selfie? Beauty, I guess, is in the eyes of the beholder. You can be the judge of some of these selfies. Folks you and I do not know, maybe some take better selfies than others. How about this guy? <laughs> yikes. Double yikes. How about her? That's my dog. I think she takes a good selfie. How about her? Oh, how about him, I should say? I think he takes a good selfie. Nice smile, beautiful eyes. And how about her? This is not a selfie, this is the iconic National Geographic picture taken by Steve McCurry titled Afghan Girl, Jarbat Gula, a 13-year-old Afghan refugee whose green eyes and haunting expression capture a pretty deep mystery. There's something behind that face. And then there's Ed Clark's picture of Chief Petty Officer Graham Jackson playing his accordion as the flag-draped casket of FDR leaves Warm Springs, Georgia on its way north, the deep mystery behind that face of grief. Then there's the iconic Great Depression picture taken by Dorothea Lange of the woman with seven children, the mysterious face of poverty. And then there's the face of our 16th president, two and a half years into the Civil War, Imagine what lies behind those eyes, the mystery of a president trying to preserve the Union. Do you think Abraham Lincoln would say he takes a good selfie? I suspect he wouldn't care. He was too busy trying to hold a country together. So how about you? Do you take a good picture? Truth is, I'm not sure anyone thinks they take a good selfie whenever the image is of ourselves. 
reflected back to us. There can be all sorts of things of which we can be critical. Our hair isn't just right, our expression is funny, our, our makeup is not perfect, our eyes are looking the wrong way. We wonder if we are aging gracefully. It, it can be hard to look at ourselves and cope with what we see because of course what we see on the outside is just a, a glimpse, it's just an image, it's just a shadow of what is going on in the inside, all of what lies behind the eyes and the smile and the lines and the expressions on our faces, the mystery of that soul that is within, the mystery of the self. What do you think of yourself? What do you think of yourself? The Apostle Paul didn't have the advantage of an iPhone or a Polaroid for that matter. No pictures of the Apostle, no selfies while visiting Corinth or Galatia or Ephesus, but from time to time when he writes his letters, he gives us a picture of himself. He paints for us in little snips a painting of himself. Not of the outside necessarily, but of the inside, and for Paul it wasn't always a pretty picture. At one point he talks about his thorn in the flesh that the good Lord had not seen fit to remove. And at another point he confesses that he, that he does the very thing he doesn't want to do and he, and he doesn't do the very thing he wants to do. And at another point he expresses quite honestly his feeling of betrayal and loss of people letting him down. Little by little as you read the apostles' letters you begin to gain a little sense of who he is, what is going on in the outside, his little selfies along the way. So this morning the apostle tells us about the appearances of the risen Jesus and he goes through this litany of appearances, the appearance first to Peter and then to the disciples and then to the 500 assembled and to James and then to the rest of the apostles and then Paul says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am, he continues, the least of the apostles. In fact, he says, I am unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul looks into the mirror, looks into the selfie, and he's not happy with what he sees because he sees in part a past of which he is not proud. While all the early apostles were busy building up the church, oh, Paul was busy trying to tear the church down rounding up every early apostle he could find and throwing them into jail or worse. I, Paul says, oh, just so you know, I am the least of the apostles. I am not even worthy to be called an apostle. And yet this is the very same man whose life and ministry and teaching and journeys and writing lay the groundwork, the, the theological framework for the church that we know today. This man who calls himself the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle. H how does this man then go forward with this dichotomy, least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, and the great theologian and the great missionary of the church? Where did Paul go to gain a right view of himself? Where did Paul go to see his right reflection? Well, where do any of us go to see the right reflection, to see the right selfie? Maybe we go as close as to right over there. Maybe we go perhaps to where we started, to the reflecting pool of our baptism. We don't know much about Paul's baptism, baptized by Ananias in Damascus, we know that, but can you imagine what Paul saw when he looked into the waters of his baptism? Most likely a look of shock and surprise because just days before he would have been on a hunting trip for apostate Jews who were following Jesus and now 
by the miracle of the Holy Spirit and the appearance of the risen Jesus, he was looking into the waters of his baptism and seeing a man who at the very least was a complex man who had been on a circuitous journey who had been on a long and winding road, who had a past of which he was not proud and a future of which he was uncertain. And maybe above all, what he saw in the still waters of his baptism was something that he maybe had never seen before. He saw grace. Amazing grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We all know the story of the composer of those words, John Newton, slave traitor turned into believer, turned into cleric in the Church of England. At the end of the day, he wrote his own epitaph and placed it, and they placed it on his burial stone. You can read it even today. John Newton, cleric, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Lord knows what John Newton saw in the baptismal waters when he was finally baptized. Oh, a complex soul, a circuitous journey, a long and winding road, a past of which he was not proud, and a future of which he, at that point, I'm sure, was uncertain. But above all, an amazing grace that saved a wretch like him, the least of the apostles, not even fit to be called an apostle. And you can imagine, as a cleric in the church for 44 years, Reverend Newton having the chance Sunday after Sunday, year after year, bringing children to the baptismal font, looking into those waters himself and catching another selfie. Every time, another reflection, a little different story, another little version of his face, another version of his soul, the years chiseling away at the stone, the spirit buoyed by joy and love, the shoulders bowed by burdens, and every time he looks into the Water and he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And may his grace toward me be not in vain. What a great prayer the Apostle Paul gives us. By the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> and I pray that his grace toward me will not be in vain. When I look into the mirror, into the waters of my baptism, when I look into that reflection, I see one like no other. I see an intricately woven tapestry of good thread and bad thread. I see things of which I am justly proud, and I see things of which I am justly ashamed. I see this long and winding road, but because I look into the waters of my baptism, I see the God of grace who engulfs me with those waters of baptism and sets me to live by grace and by no other life, that even I might be called an apostle as unworthy as that might seem. But beauty, right, is in the eyes of the beholder. And the beholder's eye is the eye of mercy. And that all I can hope is that his grace toward me <laughs> will not be in vain. Long time ago, I saw in the newspaper one of those little almost cast-off news items in the corner of the page that caught my attention. It was about the Japanese city of Sapporo and how they had opened recently a new subway system. But over the years, the first several years of the subways being in operation, they had over 60 people that had used the subway to end their lives by jumping in front of the trains. But then someone got the idea to install mirrors in the subway station. Mirrors from floor to floor, 
and ceiling put there, of course, so that people could have one last look at themselves before they jumped. One last look at the mystery, at the good of it and the bad of it, and at articles printing, no one had jumped since. By the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> and his grace toward me has not been in vain. Soren Kierkegaard, the 19th century Danish philosopher, sought to define Christianity this way, infinite humiliation paired with infinite grace and a striving born of gratitude. We are what we are and the good Lord beckons us to the waters and says time and time again, look, what do you see? It's okay if what you see is what you love about you and it's okay if what you see is what you don't love about you. It's the good and the bad, but beauty is in the eyes of the beholder and baptism reflects an image back to us different than what we can see ourselves, seen only by the one who accepts us just as we are. And from there, a striving born of gratitude, a striving born out of these waters, a striving that says that at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, I'm still a cherished child of God who from my mother's arms has blessed me on my way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. No matter what the picture, no matter what the mirror might say, no matter what the selfie might say, what I see in the water is that I am a cherished child of God and because of that, I am so grateful because I am so amazed because I am so engulfed it is then my prayer that his grace toward me will not be in vain
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.